Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number eight in this series, Faith Righteousness. I am telling you, I'm so excited about this series. I have been so encouraged myself as I've taught this series and gone back and not only reviewed and meditated and pondered on things that God has shown me over the years about faith righteousness, but really opening my heart, not just to get new information, but opening my heart to experience new dimensions of living in the power of righteousness. I, I am telling you, faith righteousness is the most significant doctrine. Uh, everything that we need to know about God will only be understood to the degree that we understand faith righteousness. And um, the writer of Hebrews says that this is that this is the pathway to maturity and stability. So listen, today we're going to be talking about what I call a more excellent way. You know, one of the things that I remember discovering back in the early 70s, and it really took me a while to sort this out, is that God is not an idealist. Now, I know that truth is absolute, and I've never been anybody that was willing to waffle on the truth and uh, and make the truth subjective and make it fit me. Truth is absolute. But I've also learned that the application of truth can be incredibly variable, and within certain boundaries, applying the truth can look a little different uh, in a situation I'm facing today as opposed to a situation I was facing, you know, when I was in my 20s. And uh, no, don't get confused. I'm not talking about having you know, having a, a, a relative truth. I am not talking about everybody having their own truth, but I am just saying that God is not an idealist. The Apostle Paul in uh, the book of Corinthians was talking about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep in mind, Jesus modeled what it should look like for us to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus spent uh, three to three and a half years somewhere in there ministering to people, and he ministered to people uh, the same way that we minister to people uh, by yielding to the Holy Spirit, the power that worked in him. Uh, Acts 10, 38 talks about how that how that uh, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And and he he did this by yielding to the Holy Spirit. And now the gifts of the Holy Spirit, again. God's going to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, so that uh, we can minister to people and God can be glorified. Now, keep in mind, in planet Earth, God is glorified when people see uh, the character and the nature and the love of God manifest in, in our lives, and, uh, and they get to see other people receive help, receive ministry, get set free. And so that's how God is glorified. That's how, that's how people see the wonders uh, and the, the goodness and the greatness of God. But it's really interesting. 
even though Paul and, and particularly in first Corinthians 12, you know, he kind of he kind of talks about the, the importance of the gifts and, and he really ends up telling us that all of us should be pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep in mind, I think that Paul meant that we should pursue them to glorify God. We should pursue them so we can minister to people. In other words, there, there's, a, there's a lot of factors that come into play here. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he, he then says something that I'll tell you, it set me back on my heels when I began to see this. He says, but uh, he says, earnestly desire the best gift. So he not only said that we should seek spiritual gifts, but he went a step beyond that and said that we should earnestly desire the very best gifts. What are the best gifts? The best gifts are the ones that help people the most and glorify God the most. And he said, but then he says this, he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, I remember the first crusade I ever had, uh, it was on a uh, university campus and um, went in and, and, you know, in some ways it was a dismal failure. In some ways it was an incredible success, but uh, a, a older Pentecostal man showed up uh, one night during the crusade, and he came up at the altar call, and he said he wanted to share some stuff. And so he began to share some things, and really, he he ministered to some people. Some people got healed. Some things happened in people's lives. But when he, but when he was finished, the whole tone of the meeting had changed. He did it so uh harshly he did everything he did very harshly very demanding it really did not reflect the character and the nature of god it reflected the power of god but not the character and nature of god and and so i really i mean i was a new believer i'd only been saved a few years at that time and uh it, it was a real struggle for me to see people get healed to see the gifts of the holy spirit work yet see it have such a negative effect on this meeting. Now, that was kind of the, the way the Pentecostals, a lot of the Charismatics, some of the Word of Faith people, this is the way these groups of people kind of looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If, if, they, if the gifts of the Holy Spirit worked, if people got healed, if there were miracles, if there were wonderful things that happened, then the real truth is it didn't matter if they were hateful, it didn't matter if they were, if they were unkind. What mattered was that people got healed. There were, there, there were miracles. Well, Paul talks about us needing to pursue the gifts, and very specifically to pursue the best gifts. But then he says, but I'm going to show you a better way. And then he launches into what we call chapter 13 of the book of Corinthians, where he starts talking about uh, walking in love and pursuing this life of love. And so what I surmise, not just from reading this, but over the years seeking to walk this out of my life, I started realizing that when we walk in love, now remember, God's love is about value. God expresses his love for mankind, not by saying he loves us. You know, it's an amazing thing. Jesus didn't go around telling people he loved them all the time. God didn't there's there's not monumental places where God talks about his love for the human race. Now he does, but he doesn't do it 
in the, the way that we would do it. But uh, God demonstrated his love. And that was a key thing. He demonstrated value for us in every single thing that he ever did. And so, and so if you're demonstrating value for people, then when you encounter a person that has a sickness, uh, compassion is going to come alive in you, and you're going to want to see them get healed. Uh, if people are struggling and they need answers and solutions, compassion is going to come upon you because of the value that you have for them and because of how precious that they are to you. And you may yield to the Holy Spirit and get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a word of prophecy. In other words, the most powerful and effective way for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate and to glorify God are when we are moved uh, by love, when, it, when this is flowing out of a heart of love. So God's like, yeah, you can seek the gifts, and yes, they can come to fruition in your life, but there is a better way than just seeking these spiritual gifts. So when I look at this, we should always go back to the law of first mention or law of first reference. People use different terminology there. Uh, anytime, anytime we're studying anything, go back and look at the first places that these things were brought about in the Word of God. Well, when God created the heavens and the earth, uh, this is our first model of God using faith. And God is a faith God. This is what Jesus was talking about in Mark 11. He said, have the faith of God. And he, he's not just talking about having faith in God. He's talking about having the God kind of faith, operate faith exactly like God did. Well, in creation, at each phase of creation, God would speak something into existence. Well, the particular Hebrew word there for speak, uh, the emphasis is not put on the fact that God was verbalizing this, even though that was a part of it. The emphasizes of that word was that first and foremost, God conceived this in his heart. God had a motive for doing what he was doing, and he had an intention for doing what he was doing. Now, motive, our motive, our motivation is what determined or, or what what moves us. And so what is moving you? For example, if if uh, if if you're praying for somebody, if you're ministering somebody, what's moving you? Is it to build your ministry? Is it to get them to join your church? Is it to get them to like you? Uh, is it to fix them? I mean, you know, there's a lot of motives. And I'm not even saying that those all of those motives are necessarily bad. But I'm telling you, there's a more perfect motive. That more perfect motive is to have value for that person. And then also, there's the whole concept of, of intention. So, God, you know, when God created everything that he created, he had an intention. Well, that intention was to harmonize everything that he created with the character and the nature of God so that it would provide the optimal um, quality of life. And we know that because every time God would create something, then he would observe it, and he would say that is good. Well, the word good means desirable, pleasing, pleasant. But, it, but the word good in the Hebrew language always points to harmonizing. So what made all of creation good was that it was harmonized with God's intention, and God's intention was to produce a perfect quality of life. So so in our personal lives and in dealing with these issues of righteousness, it is absolutely essential that since this is faith righteousness, it is absolutely essential that, 
that how we relate to righteousness, how we manifest righteousness, how we apply righteousness in the way we live and treat people, and even the way we treat ourselves, that we are motivated by love, by value, and that value has got to be a love and a value for God. It's got to be a love and a value for people. It's even got to be a love and a value for ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, a selfish, self-centered kind of love. But remember, whenever, whenever Jesus was asked what was the most important commandment, he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And But then he didn't stop there. He said, but let's, let's qualify this. Let's make sure you know what this is going to look like so that you don't come up with some goofy spiritual concept of love that justifies hurting people. He says, and also you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said that on these two commandments hang all the law and all of the prophets. This is why we understand that you are not actually uh, applying the truth of God's word. You're not actually obeying a commandment of God if you're not doing it from the motive of love. And if you're not doing it from the intention of helping uh, harmonize that person with God, bring that person into a connection with God. That, that's why uh, legalism is so corrupt. Legalism is where you might do externally the things that righteousness requires, but it's not about harmonizing with God. It's not about loving God. It's not about loving people. It's not even about loving yourself. It's, it's about trying to earn things from God. Now, when, you know, when I came into charismatic movement, I was honestly, it didn't take me very long until I was so disappointed in what I was seeing in circles that considered themselves to have or, or to be uh, spiritually minded. And so in these circles where there was more of an emphasis on being spiritual, it, it amazed me how uh, there was a justification for harshness, for hatefulness. Uh, there was even a justification for immorality many times. If, if people were able to uh, manipulate situations and get the gifts of the Spirit to work and have all these phenomenal things happen, then, then they looked good. It made them look good, made them get glorified. But the real truth is it didn't glorify God, and very often it did not have the positive effect that we should want it to have on people. Here's the thing about, about faith righteousness, not, not works righteousness. Remember, we are never, never, never talking about works righteousness. We're always talking about a righteousness that comes to us because of faith in what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross the scriptural version of what he did on the cross, the scriptural version of what he did in the grave, and the scriptural version of what he did in, in the resurrection. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 9 and 10, it tells us that whenever we uh, believe that, when we know it, then faith comes alive in, in us. And when we believe that, we are willing to confess Jesus as Lord and through that confession of him as Lord and through that faith and what he accomplished through the resurrection, uh, we experience salvation and we experience righteousness. And that is just beyond anything that, that, that I can imagine. I, I tell you, faith righteousness is the greatest mystery in all of the word of God. But stop and think about it. 
when when we are declared righteous, when you see the word justified in the almost anywhere in the Bible, uh, it's talking about the the first phase, if you will, of righteousness, where God is declaring us righteous. He he has given us what some people would call a positional righteous righteousness. Now keep in mind. Uh, being legally declared righteous and having a positional righteousness does not mean that you're actually experiencing it in your life. It doesn't mean that you that that you're walking in your righteousness. Now, righteousness that is not manifesting in our life really does not glorify God. Uh, the world doesn't see Jesus in us. We don't help anybody by by our lives. And the real truth is, many times in our declaration of positional righteousness, we do more damage than we do good. You know, the early church faced this whole thing of uh, that we're seeing now in much of what people think is the grace movement. And it's the idea that, you know, when we sin and God loves us anyhow, then, then God is glorified. Oh, well, no, God is not glorified in that because people just look at us and they see ungodliness. They see unrighteousness. They don't, you know, they don't look at that and go, oh, look how loving and merciful God is. That is not what people see. That is not how it affects people. People look at that and say, and say, oh, so you just think you can live any way you want to and say the right prayer and God's going to love you. So it gets really, really, really sick. But here's, here's where I want to get to today. Uh, there are so many things in the scripture that are 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 true in a certain in a very certain sense uh, that can bring benefit to our lives in a very certain sense. But there is a more excellent way. Now, so many of the things that we are trying to experience through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So many of the things that we're trying to experience in our life by uh, getting enough faith, so many of the things that we're trying to experience in our lives um, just by having the right doctrine, all these things, are things that the truth is people spend their entire uh, lives as believers trying to get these things to work, and they very seldom come to fruition in their lives, very seldom actually work in their lives in ways that really glorify God and, and really influence the world around them. You know, one of the things that religion has always told us, religion said, you know, you, you can't really be effective at winning your own family and people who know you very well. Uh, you can't be effective at winning them to Jesus and minister them. I got news for you. That's the easiest place to be effective if the righteousness of God, now remember, faith righteousness, uh, it has to have the motive of God, it has to have the love of God, it has to have the intention of God, the intention of glorifying God, helping people see God, connect to God. It's got to have the desire to be a blessing and a help to people. And so, and so when we are actually living and walking in righteousness, so many of the things that we have been taught to pray about, we have been taught to use our faith to get these things and get them to manifest in our life. The real truth is we don't even really have to pray about most of those things. You know, Jesus in, in Matthew chapter six, and you can uh, you can you can look at that 
you know, where he talks about, look, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. There's a lot of stuff. He, he said, you just really don't have to worry about. He said, you know, your father knows that you have need of these things. And he said, and that's what the pagans seek after. You know, the pagans serve their gods uh, in order to get taken care of. And sadly, in, in Christianity, we have, we have developed a codependent Christianity. You know, I wrote a best-selling book back several years ago called Escaping Codependent Christianity, and it became so effective at helping people in so many uh, areas of life that I expanded it and uh, republished it under the name of, uh, of Taking Control of Your Life. And most of what we deal with in that book is codependent Christianity, because of codependent Christianity, we are really taught to have a codependent relationship with God, where basically entire relationship with God revolves around just getting him to meet our needs. There's no real relationship. There's no growing together as one. There's no falling in love with one another. There's just this legal arrangement where God is supposed to take care of all of my needs. And I'm telling you what, that is kind of dehumanizing. It's demoralizing. And the real truth is it does not endear other people to God. And so our whole relationship, if you can call it that, with God becomes more about trying to find the right formulas, the right prayers, uh, the right spiritual things to do to get God to meet needs in our life. Listen, you may not be obeying the law and the commandments to try to make that happen, but it's it's just as legalistic as as it would be if you were trying to trying to obey the laws. And so dead works are any time that we are trying to earn something from God. We are doing uh, good things to get God to bless us. We're trying to purchase God's favor. Well, wh what you will discover is that almost everything that we have ever been taught to pray about, Jesus himself said, you don't need to pray about that. You know, uh, one of the things that shocks people, and, and most of you know, you know, for, for years, for, for 40 years, I was on the road uh, about two weeks out of every month. Every now and then, you know, I wasn't traveling that much, but for 40 years, that was, that was my life. And so, man, I was meeting people all over the world. I was working with ministers all over the world. And, uh, you know, one of the things that used to just shock people would be when I would talk to them about the fact that I don't ever pray for money. And, uh, and people were like, well, how in the world do you make it? Well, you know, I, I have discovered that that's one of those things that God knows that I have need of that. And that really, if I will walk in who I am in Jesus, if I will walk in, in my identity in him, then I have favor with people and, and finances just come in. You know, we learned, if you've gone all the way through the series, and I go into this in great detail in the audio series, I encourage you to get the audio series, take the deep dive into developing this truth about righteousness. But, you know, Abraham, who is the father of faith righteousness, Abraham uh, we got this idea that God called him righteous, and he believed he was righteous, and therefore it was imputed to him as righteousness. No, that's not really what the Bible says. The Bible says God uh, gave him his new identity, and that's where he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. 
This is where he was declared, not only are you, not only are you the father of many nations, but also through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Abraham actually uh, was declared righteous, not because he was trying to believe he was righteous, but because he believed and stepped into his identity and his destiny. And I'm telling you, righteousness is when we are stepping into our true identity and our destiny. I'm just going to run through some things here because I only have a few minutes left and you know just just want to just want to touch base with this but you know in James the first chapter i want to point out to you i think it's about the ninth verse it says that whenever you are in lack uh that really you need to pray for wisdom you don't you don't really need to pray for a miracle now see most of the time we're in lack we start praying for a miracle but really if we'll pray for wisdom and we will get god's wisdom about how to walk through a situation, trusting God, it's amazing how we come out unscathed. You know, Proverbs 12, 28, one of the scriptures I love, it says, in the way of righteousness is life, and in that pathway, there's no death. So if I want to live in a realm where I'm just constantly experiencing the life of God, and not experiencing death and destruction and conflict, then how do I do that? By walking in this pathway called uh, righteousness. You know, uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, every everybody should do a deep dive into Proverbs for a few years. You know, for, for years, every single day, I read and meditated on a different chapter of Proverbs. And, you know, Proverbs chapter 3, it's amazing the things that Proverbs tells us that we will have because we seek and attain to wisdom, not because we try to get those things. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Oh, wait a minute. So if I'm merciful and walking in truth, oh, wait a minute. That's one of the main characteristics of, of righteousness is truth, mercy, and justice. That is one of the main manifestations of righteousness. And so and so you start reading through the book of Proverbs and suddenly you start saying, well, wait a minute, if I, if I will just if I will seek wisdom, if I will just walk in righteousness, many of these things that I pray about, many of these things that I seek God about, I'm not going to have to have to. Listen, Proverbs 11:27 says, he who earnestly seeks good finds favor. If I want to find favor, just seek good, not only for myself, but for other people. Uh, you know, people are always trying to hear from God, get direction from God. Proverbs 11:3 says, the integrity of the upright will guide them. Uh, Proverbs 11, uh, 5 says, the righteousness of the blameless will direct their way. Proverbs 11, verse 6 says, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them. It will deliver them out of trouble. So you go down all of these scriptures, you start saying, well, wait a minute. There's all of these things that I've been praying for and praying for and praying for and praying for, and I'm not seeing them come to pass in my life. And you're telling me, that walking in my righteousness, walking in who I am, walking in love, walking in kindness, walking in mercy, walking in truth, that, that I will just find myself in a pathway where these things are just manifesting in my life? Absolutely. That's what's happening. Now, this is not where you're walking in your righteousness, and, and so God is, God is paying you back for it. No, this is just this is really the law of the seed. When you when you walk in the character and nature of God, you have favor with people. 
You know, I, I did millions of dollars of business over the years and uh, flipped houses. Brenda and I flipped houses for years. And you know something? Almost all the money that we ever need to flip houses, we got it just because of the way we treated people in the business world. And you know what? That's what can happen for you. Walk in your righteousness and you will find you don't have to pray about most of those things that you've been praying about. That is the more excellent way. I hope this helps you. I hope this encourages you. God bless you. Be sure and listen to this two or three times before you move on to the next message. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.